if I'm not tuning into my emotions and just want kind of like the the high of like binge shopping, what I'll do is I'll go on like Revolve or like whatever like fashion website and I'll just like fill my cart with like a ton of stuff that I want and then I'll just close the cart and not buy any of it. Hello everyone, it's me, Julian Wong. In this podcast, we are going to have real, unfiltered, and deep conversations to help you in your journey of personal development. I am a health coach, but just like you, I also go through all the ebbs and flows of life, and I choose to share my own journey here that hopefully you could learn from and will inspire you to invest in you, be your healthiest, and reach your fullest potential. Enjoy! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Talks by Jay Wong. It's me, your host, Julian. As always, thank you so much for being here with me today. So I wanted to do a little introduction for our guest, Sarah Down. Sarah is an energy healer as well as an expert on minimalism. And I really want her to come to our show to speak about how to declutter your physical space for you to find more clarity in your life. I honestly believe that less is more. And unfortunately, we live in a society where we constantly want for more things, right? Let's do more things. Let's have more stuff. But what if we could just all live a simple life with less choices and having things that truly serves us? Because that's how we are going to live a more fulfilling life. I know this because I tend to be that person as well back then where I would always want for more things. I would always push for more and it did not really serve me well. But at the same time, besides that, I'm also in the middle of a move right now and I really want to take this opportunity to let go of things that I no longer use and just really keep things that truly serves me. But I tend to have this struggle to let go of those things and I tend to hold on to them. So Sarah is here to talk about that and give us the tangible tips that we could start applying into our daily lives. So with that being said, um, I cannot wait for you to hear Sarah. She's such a brilliant and inspiring woman, and she will inspire you to declutter your space, find more clarity in your life, and just live a more fulfilling life. So with that being said, let's welcome Sarah to our show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. I'm so honored to have you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. So how are you? I am well. I am well. We were just talking about rolling into the weekend on a on a chill note. So I'm this is like the perfect way to kind of ease into it. Right. Any fun plans on the weekend? Not really. I'm such a homebody. And this is another thing we were talking about. I'm such a little introvert projector. So I'm just going to recharge, I think. I might hang out with my family, but we'll see. How about you? For me, I am still in the middle of a move. So I'm hoping to get things done during this weekend. And I just need a freaking break. I've been thinking of just having... Like, I'm really craving like an entire week off. (laughs) I don't want to do anything, but... You know, in life, we still got to do things, but I'm just really craving some downtime right now. And having you on the podcast, just chatting with you, it's one of those downtime. Like, I just want to chat with you and talk about mm, 
Exactly. And talk about minimalism and just bringing along our audience with us. Totally. And it's perfect timing too, as you're going through a move. It's like, what do they say that behind, behind like death and divorce or something, a move is like the most traumatic thing that we go through as humans. And especially like bringing your stuff and all the emotions and everything that can go along with that. Oh my God, like move is underrated. I was just telling this to one of my friends, like how move is underrated because it takes a lot of energy from you. Mm-hmm. Totally, just packing everything up. And again, like all the all the, um, the emotions, the memories attached to stuff. Um, and yeah, it's, it's such a process. Okay, so before I talk way too much about me, let's make this about you. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Tell us your story. Tell us how minimalism found you. Yep. So I, my name is Sarah. Um, Where do I begin? I'm from Kansas City and that's where I currently am. But I spent five years living in New York. I went to college there and then stayed for a year after and was working there. Um, And quite frankly, the pace of the city just got, it really got to me. It's like I was living as highly functional, anxious person. And I don't think I have that necessary, I guess it's kind of in my nature, but I think the environment really exacerbated that. So I was really grateful to come home last year, um, spend time with my family, and then I moved into my own apartment here. And I'm not sure how long I'll be here, but it's really good to have that change of pace. And I guess how I got into minimalism, it actually started because I, we were talking about this as well, is that I love design. I've always loved clothes. I've always loved really nice things, really beautiful things. But I found when I was really little that on my um, very small, what's it called, allowance, I couldn't really afford to buy a ton of nice clothes. I had to be very selective about what I got. And that's how I just became really into quality over quantity. And then the whole minimalism thing too really took off for me because when I was in college and I was moving apartments in New York, like every nine months pretty much, and we didn't have cars to transport our stuff, or at least I didn't, I never, I was always moving alone and I had to just move my stuff from dorm to dorm. So I had to really get um, stringent about what I kept. And I found that the more stuff I released, the easier it was to move through. I think we talked about this last time we recorded, the easier it was to move through breakups and like old friendships and stuff, I found that I was able to release a lot of stagnant energy, the more stuff I got rid of. Um, And it just became such a process, such a part of my life, not only on the physical plane, but also just practicing release on all levels, releasing emotions, um, releasing, like I said, friendships that are no longer serving, releasing careers or ideas of who we should be that aren't serving. Um, Yeah, just this ongoing process of release and calling in more of what we actually do want into our lives. So just to give our audience a little background, because you mentioned um, when we previously recorded. So Sarah and I actually recorded an episode a week ago. Was it a week ago? I think so. It was sometime around then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we recorded an episode together. However, the quality of my audio did not come out right come out right and I was like what is going on and I really sat down with myself and we were just chatting about this before we hit record and I feel like there's a message that needs to be said today so just to give you a little background just in case you're wondering what she was talking about so so yeah yeah (laughs) 
So just going back to what you just said, so you've um, always been into minimalism since growing up. You had that allowance and you really have to save up to buy quality things. And that's how we started living life, quality over quantity. But I feel like it's hard to really have that staple items and just keep things simple, keep things minimal. Because I feel like our society right now is always preaching about more, even with the way that we are living our life. It's always about let's do more. Mm -hmm. So how are you able to keep up and just live life as simple as possible and with minimal things? Totally. I hope that makes sense. No, that totally does. And I, I completely agree. It's like we're surrounded by all this advertising, especially I mean, from personal experience living in New York City, and then I lived in Germany for a while, and it was a very different, I guess just these different places I've lived have had very different approaches to our stuff and what brings us joy. In New York, it was very much about acquisition, constantly getting more things. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, um, again, we were surrounded by ads everywhere on the subway, um, and also just the fact that people spent so much time they're rushing around, getting to work, finding jobs, keeping jobs. It felt like that was the sole purpose of life was working so that we could acquire more stuff so that we or so we could acquire more money so we could buy more stuff so we could prove to people that we were worthwhile because we had these things to show for it. And that's not everybody, but that's definitely how I felt um, when I was living there. And also, I mean, in I went to um, a really well-to-do school growing up. So it felt very much like, um, you know, our, our worth was in the stuff we had, the, the homes we had, the wealth our family could provide for us, that sort of thing. So it definitely takes a lot of rewiring around what brings you joy in your life to get to a place kind of where the simplicity is where it's at. I think, and now I'm trying to get back to the question, how do you get to a, a simpler place? I think for me, part of it was my, um, my innate wiring. I found that when I was little and I, I maybe wanted to acquire all these new clothes or new like dolls, whatever. I loved American Girl dolls. So new dolls, new stuffed animals, whatever. I found that even though maybe I, I – or even when I had a lot of those items, I would still always revert back to my favorites. So like I could have like 10 sweaters and I would only wear the one that was my actual favorite. So I just realized how – um even if you have a lot of stuff, it doesn't mean you're going to use it. And actually there's this like 80-20 principle that like 80% of our joy comes from 20% of the items we have or like, um, 80, you know, like we, how do we want to put it? Like having more doesn't mean more joy or more um, fulfillment in life. It can actually be the opposite. So just really stretching our idea of what's possible and really questioning what society tells us and maybe um, getting curious about why we're told that you know, why we're told we need more. My next question for you is, um, I know you mentioned that you lived in New York for college and you also stayed there for a couple of years when you were working at a brand agency or like a brand boutique. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, it was, I was working at like a boutique brand consultant consultancy where we um, essentially just helped clients refine their messaging and um, and just portray themselves in the best possible light in the media. Um, but to me, when I was doing that in New York, it felt very 
social climby. It felt really, um, it just wasn't really what was lighting me up. And so I was kind of, and I love that. I'm so grateful to have had that experience, but I'm also grateful to have been brought home and really been forced to look into what I actually want to be doing with my life and then also find ways to weave in my past career history into what I'm doing now, I guess. Okay. Awesome. I think we could also talk about that in a few seconds, but I really wanted to ask you with, in terms of minimalism and just really living with things or even clothes, let's start with clothes. I feel like when we talk about minimalism, we, the first thing that we think is about the physical space that we have. When you were living in New York, have you always been like this? If not, what was the first thing that you did to clear your physical space? Okay, that's a good question. I think a huge part of actually living in New York, it's kind of like you you either have to adopt a more Spartan lifestyle or you end up just surrounded by stuff because our apartments are so small there. Like my it's wild. My apartment, the last apartment I lived in was my bedroom was about as big as my bathroom is here. <laughs> and so it's just like I I think that's part of why I really stripped down my stuff because I personally don't like clutter. And so I had to get rid of so much stuff in order to just have like a clear-ish space in like the 10 square feet I had. Um, what was the question though again? I guess what was the first, <laughs> the first, you said um, the, first ex- the first experience that made me in New York kind of contemplate a more minimal way of being. Exactly. And what was the first thing that you did to really clear your physical space? Yeah. Because for someone who wants to clear out their space, I feel like this totally. is one of the hardest thing to do. It's so easy to say, but it's hard to say. Totally. So I would want to know, like, what was the first thing that you've done that totally. maybe could help them? Yeah. So one thing I'm sure people are familiar with, like Marie Kondo, and what she always recommends is to start with non-sentimental items. So start with your clothes. Um, and maybe what I like to recommend, if you have a lot of stuff to begin with, maybe just start with what's in your closet right now. And go through and just evaluate what do you actually wear? Like hold, pull everything out of your closet and hold it up and say, do I really wear this? Do I really enjoy wearing this? How does this make me feel? What memories are associated with this? And just kind of ask yourself those questions to see if it's something that you really need to carry forward in the next chapter of your life. But what if you want to hold on to things because yeah. it has sentimental value to you? Totally. Well, I would say you can – Put those things aside in a box for a few months maybe and come back and reevaluate because often, I mean, we probably will end up, or in, at least in my opinion, with sentimental items. These are items that you're not going to look at every day. You'll look at them like once a year or something and you have to tune into kind of the feeling you get when you actually see that item. Personally for me, and this is like, I'm very extreme in this sense, but sentimental items often kind of make me sad and I don't know why it is, but... That's why I'm very selective about the sentimental items I actually hold on to. Like I keep certain greeting cards um, that I've gotten throughout the years, but I don't really keep a whole lot of like three-dimensional things that maybe I've been given unless it's like a gift that I use all the time. Um, And I guess to answer the question of what to do if you want to hold on to it, because it's sentimental, yeah, I would say put it aside for a while. And if you go to get that item – before like three months have passed or something, then keep it because you clearly use it or you it brings you joy looking at it. But if you don't go back to it, then maybe um, 
take that as a sign that maybe you don't need it in your space and maybe it's not adding a whole lot of value. And when I say value too, it's not just about if you use it, it's about if it brings you joy. Because for me, um, I think what was unappealing about a lot of like the minimalism literature out there is that it's very much about utilitarianism and only having what you use. But for me, being such like a design-oriented person and really loving beautiful spaces, I love things that look nice. I love being in nice clothing. And that's clearly not like (laughs) useful in a certain sense, Um, but it adds value to my life in a different way. So it's just making sure that what you have really adds to your life rather than dragging you down. I love how deep that we are going when it comes to just talking about this because like obviously just clearing out your physical space I think I've also experienced this when I just tried to live life so simply without all the fuzz and buzz you find more meaning in life totally and you realize that the beauty of life it's not really about the physical things that you have or the accomplishments that you have at least for me that's my experience it's not about the accomplishments or the praises that you receive it's just simply being in the present moment I know you also talk a lot about this just simply being in the present moment because that's all that you have right now Mm -hmm. and I feel like minimalism or the way that you redefine minimalism Mm -hmm. aligns with that message as well Totally. So if we're stuck on this like hamster wheel of chasing the next thing or like buying the next item, then that actively like that actually takes us out of this moment. And it takes some repatterning to realize like the next thing. Yeah, it can add like momentary value. Like I like we're, we've been talking about like we like nice items, we like nice clothing, but really like the happiness of buying something new doesn't last in the same way that like spending time with loved ones does, you know, it's like, it doesn't, it's, it's fleeting. And it's like the, the new item, um, feel only feels new for like a few weeks, maybe, maybe. And so it's just really to focus on the things that fill us up and make us feel full for a long time. Um, and the memories with people or the experiences we have, um, out in the world are the ones that we really end up holding on to more so than the um, physical belongings. How does this tie up with impulse buying? Mm-hmm. That's such a good, I, I love that you asked that because I feel like impulse buying is an, it's, I think it's similar to, and we all do it. Like we, I do this at the grocery store all the time. So we all do it to an extent, but it reminds me kind of of like an addiction, kind of like needing the next hit or like needing a drink of alcohol or needing like a drug of some sort. Impulse buying, you know, like when you don't think about what you want to have before or what you want to buy beforehand, or if you don't like have a clear need for something and you're just going shopping, looking for whatever may tickle your fancy. I think that is analogous to obviously on a different scale, but analogous to drug usage and that it doesn't really fill what you're looking for. And so when people are like chronic impulse shoppers or find themselves um, just going shopping just for the hell of it, I I like to ask like what right before you buy it like what what need like what do you need right now maybe beyond that thing like what what emotions are you going through just to bring awareness to like why we um why we feel the need to be buying more than we actually um need or or more or why we feel the need to buy things that we maybe um I don't know 
I don't know. I hope that I hope that makes sense. I think my my goal is to help be, people become more intentional rather than impulsive with shopping because again, we all like new things. We all need physical belongings to survive on the material plane, but um, it's just about being intentional. And I think you can get a lot more joy out of things when you think about what you want, when you do the research on it, and then when you invest in something that you really want, as opposed to like a bunch of cheap little things. So if you ever find yourself with that, um, I guess, energy or moment, like I just want to do some impulse buying, yeah. what would you do? Totally. So let's give our I audience an idea what exactly you would do. Okay, so I I have a good answer and I have like a not as good answer. So the good would be, um, or like the if I'm being like good, whatever, would be if I'm about to go buy something, like if I'm I don't know where it would be, like if I'm at Whole Foods and like I'm I find some like really fancy chocolate that like I don't need or whatever, I'll be like, okay, like do I actually really want this or is it, am I like trying to like stuff an emotion or something? And I just I check in and I'll probably end up buying it anyway, but at least just to check in and be like, okay, how am I actually feeling right now? Um, and just being aware. Um, and then the so that's like if I'm actually tuning into my emotions. If I'm not tuning into my emotions and just want kind of like the the high of like binge shopping, what I'll do is I'll go on like Revolve or like whatever like fashion website and I'll just like fill my cart with like a ton of stuff that I want and then I'll just close the cart and not buy any of it, which sounds crazy, but that actually like ticks all the boxes we need in our brain. Like we just want to like consume something or at least I found it's like I just want to have this illusion of consumption. And then if I wait and don't buy it, then the next day I'm like, I didn't even want any of that. So I think that's the key too. It's to wait. If you feel like you are impulse shopping or whatever, just like put the, close your computer or maybe like decide to go home and then come back. You can, you can be like, okay, I'll come back tomorrow. If I still want it tomorrow, I can buy it. But allowing that time I think is so key. I think over half the time we won't even end up wanting what we thought we wanted. And you'll just realize that that was, you were trying to fill a quick, like emotional need with buying something similar to like any sort of binge behavior. I think like binge eating or like binge drinking, like it's all, I think very momentary. And if you just allow that wave to pass, you're on the other side and you're fine. Oh my God. It's so funny that you mentioned Revolve because I just bought a dress at Revolve a couple of days ago. Well, I needed that dress yeah. because I'm um, attending a wedding in, the, in a few weeks, but that's, awesome. that's exactly what I would do. That's why I like online shopping. Like I would put stuff in my cart first, but I don't really buy it right away. Like totally. I'll wait for, the, for a couple of days before buying it and just think about this like do I really want this is this really what I want then if I couldn't stop thinking about it then I know I need it mm -hmm. totally but if I go to the store you're at the store already so you're just like should I buy this now or not and you don't really have that space to think and just tune in how you are feeling because you have that pressure mm -hmm. to either buy it now or you'll never have it again because you're in store. Totally. Does that even make sense? 100%. 100%. And I think like when I was little, I would go shopping at the store um, and I would always, yeah, I'd feel that intense pressure and I would like it maybe in the store, but then I would get it home and be like, I don't want this anymore. And it would just create more time. Like it would be a waste of time, a waste of energy. 
Um, so I'm totally all for online shopping. And it's funny too, because I think the goal is to get to a place where you're just like, like you're just excited about what you're buying. So if you're maybe like impulse shopping or something and you're about to like swipe your credit card and you have this like gut feeling of like, oh, I don't know about this. We don't want to do that. Versus like if you're if you take the time and wait, or even in the moment, if you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this, go for it. That's awesome. But it's about like tuning into that feeling about it too. Being having everything you buy within reason. I mean, there are certain things that we don't want to spend money on that we kind of have to as functional members of society, but having most of the things we buy be just like a hell yes, like this is going to make me really happy. So yeah. I know that you do have a course called Streamline Your Style, and I know that you have a new offering of personal styling, correct? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yep. I started the course um, because, again, I found that there was this void um, in kind of like minimalism literature or the people who talk about minimalism on social media. It felt very um, sterile. I don't know if sterile is the right word. It felt very like um, – I think I used the word utilitarian earlier, like avowing all belongings or just it felt very much like a lack mindset. And I didn't want people to think it had to be that way because like I've said throughout, it's like I love clothes. I love getting dressed. I love having a nice space. I love having nice things in my apartment. So it's not about denying ourselves <laughs> the physical three-dimensional pleasures on earth. It's about um, – yeah, just aligning what we own with our values, I think. And so I wanted to kind of bridge those and show that you can live a more minimal, simple life and it doesn't have to be boring. And you can be fashionable and you can be design-focused and um, and like dressing in a, in a certain way or whatever and still um, accept a more simple way of life and not need to constantly be buying <laughs> cheap, unsustainable clothing, if that makes sense. So that's why I created that course um, and it's, uh, like 16, I think it's 16 videos, um, to help you, yeah, streamline your routine and find, um, kind of a, I like to think of it as like a chic uniform that you feel good in, um, and that really reflects your personal style, but not needing to always be buying new clothing and with the goal of helping people shop more intentionally. Um, so I created that course, but when I put it out, I started receiving, um, a bunch of feedback that people had wanted like one-on-one -on -one personal styling services. So now I'm also doing that. I'm helping people um, curate their closet via Zoom, but I go in and help them um, with each of their pieces because often it can be, we talked about this earlier, how like it's easy to set a bunch of like rules around like, oh, you should keep this when this, or you should get rid of this item when like, you know, it can be very, um, I, I thought of it as very formulaic but it's so case by case and so person by person. So that's why I'm offering these services now to help people one-on-one -on -one through the whole practice of releasing stuff that doesn't serve them. Gotcha. But I want to know, let's talk about you. How do you create a staple wardrobe? How do you do it? How do I do it? Okay. It takes a lot of kind of personal observation, I realized, again, back to the 80-20 principle, I realized I started thinking about like what 20% of my clothes do I wear 80% of the time? And it came down to like a handful of sweaters, like a few pairs of jeans, um, some t-shirts, um, and mainly just like comfortable things that are really soft and really nice quality fabric. That's like kind of my 
theme throughout my wardrobe and everybody's going to be different with that. Um, but I just focused in on the things that I really wear all the time. And then I started releasing the things that maybe I bought because I thought they were cute, but I never ended up wearing because they weren't comfortable or, um, because I'm somebody too who like I don't really wear a lot of color, so a lot of the stuff that was really colorful ended up falling away from my wardrobe, um, save for a few like kind of accent items. But anyway, I became really focused on what I wear all the time, and then I started releasing what didn't align with that, and then kind of opening my eyes to other. And when I would go shopping, I became very clear on the items that I. I thought I, I knew I would wear if I bought them. So there would be things that maybe were cute or that looked good on, but I kind of developed a filter being like, but I'll never wear this because logically the things in the past that I've owned like this, I never wore. So I think it's becoming really aware of what you actually enjoy wearing and using that as a filter for when you are shopping. Um, and then because I think we when we use that as a filter, then we end up spending less money on clothes so we can afford to invest in the things that really do, um, that we do wear all the time. For instance, like if I buy a sweater, it's going to be cashmere. Like, and that sounds snooty, but it's like, I, I'm only going to buy the highest quality and the stuff that I actually will love to be in because I know it's what I'm going to wear like every single day. <laughs> I, I love those tips. I feel like I need that as well, because honestly, whenever I buy clothes, it's the same thing for you. Oh, this looks nice. But then if you think about it, do I really wear this? No, it looks nice at the moment. But like, I know that I don't really wear that style. But it's just like so hard to just keep your closet with the stuff that you wear. Because like, what if it comes? What if a day comes like, oh, I need this particular thing. And Totally. You just want more. I think I'll it always you. goes back to wanting for more. And I hear you. I, hear you. I don't know. Like I just don't know how to explain it. Yeah. No. I, I I totally hear that. I think the one piece about um the the what if like throwing something away or donating it. I, I recommend that people try and sell stuff or donate it um, as opposed to just throwing it in the trash. But um, but I think in my experience of releasing like probably at this point, like 80% of what I once owned, I've maybe only like once or twice regretted it. Um, or maybe, maybe not even regretted it. Maybe only once or twice have I been like, oh my goodness, I missed that thing I had then. But I, I never, it never, I ended up forgetting about that though. Like, you know, I ended up in, in the moment I was like, oh, I wish I still had that. But then like 20 minutes later, I'd found something better to wear. Like, you know, it's not, I think we build it up so much on our heads of what it's going to be like this, this future moment of lack maybe. And that keeps us from focusing on like, Oh my goodness, but I have all these other things that I actually maybe like more. And it's, it's, it's more important to focus on the things that we wear or we use more frequently. But I think to answer the question too of um, what was the other piece you had? Oh, the, the wanting more striving for more. And I think it's, I think, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with wanting more, like wanting more clothes, I always have a list, for instance, this is like, I always have a list of things like physical things I'm calling in physical things I want in my life. Um, right now, I want to get an espresso machine. And so like, that's something that's very not necessary. Um, but I think the, the key is to make sure that our wanting for more things doesn't override like our wanting for, or, or doesn't doesn't, how do I want to put it? 
that that doesn't become like our sole purpose for working or for um, living or for relating to other people that like, you know, we don't want our stuff to be the, 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 um, yeah, I guess our common ground with other people or the reason that our reason for being kind of, you, know, you want to make sure like your, your mission is beyond just getting more things. Okay, so are you saying that sometimes that we have that tendency to want for more, not because we want that physical thing, rather because we are seeking for something else? Perhaps, I think I'm relating this to a relationship aspect, like you're seeking for um, belongingness or validation and from physical, from a physical stuff, perhaps you could get that validation feeling that you're looking for, that worthiness. But in reality, what you're really seeking is that relationship or the community or, I guess, belongingness. I'm just like going on loopholes with this. But could you speak about that? I know you're very big on, I know you're very big on this. Totally. So um, I see this actually really frequently with people in their relationship with their parents. So our parents often represent like, yeah, emotional connection, but also provision of like physical, physical needs, getting our needs met when we're younger. And so often people who maybe had unmet needs when they were younger and all of us, I believe all of us had needs that were unmet. That's a part of growing up. And then you learn to meet those needs for yourself to some extent, but people who maybe have like unresolved unmet needs from their parents, then maybe go seeking those, um, those needs elsewhere. Or maybe if their, say their mom worked all the time when they were growing up. So it was modeled for them that they needed to work all the time so they could provide for other people. And then that's maybe how they get into this um, spiral of like living to work so that they can then buy things to give to other people because that's how it was modeled for them that you relate to somebody that you love. So that's like a really deep example, but I see that sort of thing all the time. And I, I, I say that too, so that anybody who maybe is going through that or who has had that experience, like it somewhat normalizes it. It's like, this is something that we all, we all um, are modeled in our society, like re- how to relate to physical things. Um, and it's also our own responsibility to kind of like come to terms with that so that we can get to a place where, um, where it's okay to just be and to not be seeking more. And we'll also, I'll say to that too. I want to caveat mm-hmm. that. So we're, we're all seeking more. Like, I, like, I'm not saying that you ever get to a place where it's like, I don't need anything. I'm not saying that at all. Like, I hope I've made that very clear. I love physical things. I love, um, I, I'm not saying it has to be, um, I, I'm just saying we, we shouldn't feel enslaved by our stuff. No, I hear you on that. Um, we're always going to seek for more. Once we get this next thing, we're just going to want the the other thing, you know, like the next big thing. I think just like as humans, we're never ever going to be satisfied. However, I want to ask you, do you feel like the more that you start letting go of things that don't serve you, like decluttering your physical space right now would allow you to find more clarity of what you're really seeking for? Yes. So I definitely do. I think I mean, for me, like in my apartment, it's like 
when I have a clear space, it means that it takes less time to clean. Um, it means it's really easy to vacuum. It's really easy to Swiffer. So I end up getting time back in my day. That's a really tangible example or an example that people often relate to as well. It's like, if you have a clear workspace, you're able to focus more. Um, think of like trying to do your work, like on a desk full of papers versus in a clear space. And so I think, um, there's definitely something to be said for the energy that our physical belongings take up in a space and maybe the energy imbued in those items by the people who gave them to us even, or the memories we associate with them. It's just about being very intentional and very, um, very cognizant of um, the stuff we hold on to and why we're holding on to it and seeing how maybe when we clear our space of that, how it maybe frees up space for other things to come into our life um, that maybe we're calling in. What's the massive change that you've seen in, in your personal life when you started doing this, when you started living more minimalistic yeah. and just becoming more intentional with the things that you have, not just with the physical stuff, but as well as with your relationships, I guess? Yeah. So a huge thing, I think, is that it, it removed a big distraction from my life, um, like in terms of of needing more um, clothes or needing to make more money so that I could buy more things. It's like it really stripped away a lot of the unnecessary stuff so that like we were talking about earlier, so I would have more energy to focus on the deeper stuff, like the harder work that maybe I didn't want to be doing, like the deeper emotional work, working through traumas, um, working through um, like you were alluding to like deeper relationship things. Um, and really trying to figure out what my mission is here on this earth. Um, and I think a lot of it's like, we were, we were talking a bit earlier too about why are we as a society so driven to acquire more things. And it's because acquiring more things is a convenient distraction from the deeper, harder work. So I think releasing the need to continually acquire more stuff, it just gave me more energy um, to look, inward more, I think. And that's definitely what I, I seek to help clients with too. It's like coming to um, a place where they can not only release physical things from their space, but also releasing emotional baggage, releasing a lot of stuff that they didn't even realize they were carrying with them and arriving at a place in life where they just feel more free and more able to just be in the present moment. So a lot of my listeners here on my podcast um, is big on personal development and just, you know, reaching their fullest potential. I always say that. So what would you, what tip would you give to them? Just like tangible tips where they could start perhaps clearing up their space in order for them to really release those emotional baggage and just to find more clarity in life. Totally. I think just, intentionality. Like I'm just going to put it in one word, just being intentional. And this can come in multiple forms. So it's like paying attention to the items you have in your space and the, um, and, and like what, what, um, sorry, what emotions are maybe attached to them or how they make you feel. And also setting intentions for, for your surroundings and for your relationships. Like in my relationships, I want to feel supported and then when you set that intention, it's really easy to um, notice when those things aren't happening or when they are, you can really appreciate it. Um, or like in 
in my space, I want to just feel expansive. I want to feel light and energized. And then you notice like maybe, oh, well, when I don't clean up, I don't feel very good in my space versus when I do, I feel a lot better. So just getting clear on what we want and that it makes it really easy for the stuff that doesn't serve us to fall away and for us to call in um, more of what we do want and to act in a way that um, supports what we do want out of life. So one word, intentionality, Mm -hmm. the things that you have, Mm -hmm. whatever you do, Mm -hmm. And that will allow you to be clear with what you're calling in Mm -hmm. or create space with the things that you're calling in. Am I saying that correctly? 100%. I also wanted to ask you, I know like we got to wrap up very soon, Mm -hmm. but I'm very curious to know what's your morning routine. I always want to know about this. Oh yeah. Other people. Oh yeah. This is something that I don't have like, I, I'm not super strict about it as I used to be in the past when I was living in New York. It was very like, da, 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 da. I have to do all these things or else I won't feel okay with my day, which I think a lot of people can probably relate to. Now I just have like this kind of list of practices that I pick and choose from depending on how much time I have. Um, and it doesn't always go in the same order, but the things I typically do every day before I start my work day, um, I do some kind of meditation. Um, either a Joe Dispenza meditation or to be magnetic um, from Lacey Phillips. Um, And then I usually do some kind of movement. Recently, it's been getting outside and going for a walk before it gets really hot out. Um, And then I always do morning pages, which if you're not familiar, it's like three pages, stream of consciousness, front and back. Um, And that usually takes a little while, but it's so rewarding because you get, it's like, how, how do I, somebody described it as like um, dusting like the corners of your brain that you didn't know like had dust in them, which goes along with like the decluttering idea. It's like when we force ourselves to write, not force ourselves, when we push ourselves to write a certain amount as opposed to just like um, getting our ideas out, but we say, no, we create this like three page space that you have to fill. It really clears out the stuff that maybe you have um, been hiding in your head. So I do that. Always have fruit. We talked about this on Instagram the other day. We're both kind of fruit first kind of people, I think. So I always have fruit in the morning. Um, And I think that's it. I always do skincare. Um, But yeah, I think that's... Oh, and I always have Element too. It's like an electrolyte drink. So I always have that in the morning. But that's my morning. And it it goes in a different order all the time. Wait, what drink? Yeah, so it's called Element, and it's it's spelled L M N T, and it's just like a, um, a like kind of the most natural electrolyte mix. But I find I'm an energy healer as well, and so I'm always like burning through electrolytes. Um, so and it's really good. I, I like the raspberry flavor, but it's like sugar free, and I do that with lemon. It's I do it like lemon water. I put lemon water, and then I put the Element stuff in it. It's really good. Okay, I need to check on that. Um, do you get this at Whole Foods? I'm looking for a good electrolyte brand because I feel like yes. the one that I was checking the other day, sorry, just to kind of go off tangent, but no, perhaps your audience needs to hear this. Yes. Maybe you're needing some electrolytes on your your life right now. Mm-hmm. But the ones that I'm finding on Whole Foods has like added cane sugar, which I'm not really a fan of. And mm-hmm. I don't understand why it has sugar in it. No. So try wait, where one. do you get this electrolyte? This, okay. So it is... Um, it is the ingredients. It's like just the, like a, a balance of like I think potassium, magnesium, and sodium. 
And then I think it's sweetened with like monk fruit or stevia. I'm not sure, but it's like one of the non-sugar ones. And then they have all different flavors as well, but it's like three ingredients and super delicious. I get it directly from element.com, L-M-N-T, I think, or if you Google it. Um, But I know my business coach has a link. So it's like you get like a sample pack and you just pay $5 shipping. So if you follow at Christina, the channel, you can (laughs) get the sample pack or you can go to the link in my Instagram bio and find it there. But I highly recommend it. It gives me a lot more energy. I always have like, I suffer from like a lot of, not suffer. I like have a lot of muscle cramps all the time. I think part of it's from processing energy through energy healing work I do, but um, I love it and it tastes really good. (laughs) Okay. I got to check that out. So that's one tip for me as well as for your listeners. Okay. Get some electrolytes, energize. (laughs) But um, what other resource podcasts or books you would recommend to our listener perhaps to someone who would want to start practicing minimalism besides your course which they should absolutely get um what resources would you recommend to them totally so in terms of making minimalism resources I love for books I think it's called essentialism by Greg McCune g-r-e-g and then last name Last name is M C K E O W N. Do you do you know him? Okay, he's great. Um, I love the minimalist. Yes, I love him. He's great. He's really good, and I think he has a podcast. I don't listen to his podcast, but I've read all his books. Um, I love the minimalist documentaries on Netflix, and then just in general, I'm thinking other, not necessarily minimalism related, but in terms of like calling in the life you want and getting really clear on what you want in life. I love To Be Magnetic. Um, I've already mentioned her, but um, that platform has like literally changed my life in terms of unblocking subconscious beliefs and stuff. Um, Joe Dispenza is great. And I want to throw in, I'm, I want to throw in something fun. I'm trying to think of like something that's not tied to like minimalism. I'm a huge fan of Bon Appetit, the podcast or the, like the magazine. And I love, I'm a, I love learning languages. That's like, what I do in my free time. So <laughs> wait, what book was that? It was um the or it wasn't a book, it was just the platform Bon Appetit. I've always been obsessed with like their um their YouTube channel. My um my course is Streamline Your Style. Um and then I'm trying to think of other that's like just I think I'd alluded to it. It's just um like 16 quick videos that help you release what's no longer serving you in your closet and help you streamline your routine and your uniform and then also get really intentional about the items that you add back in and yeah and doing it in a fun way and in a way that's like focused more on um I think focused more on doing it in a joyful way and with an eye for design and not seeing um minimalism as this like aesthetic like you know lack mentality sort of thing so that's that and then also I just started offering the personal styling services so they're 90 minute um, one-on-one kind of consultations to help go through your closet. And I provide um, recommendations for items that you might want to add to your closet and things you might want to release, um, all kind of with um, paying attention to your unique energy because I'm an energy healer too. And so I help people kind of align their energy with the clothes they wear. So yeah, that's what I'm offering now. So where could people find you? Do you want to pimp yourself sure. up, your Instagram, your website? Please go ahead. Sure. So my Instagram is at Sarah Doan, S-A-R-A, last name D-O-A-N-E. And then my website is saradone.space. 
Okay. All right. Thank you so much. It was, this was so fun. I'm pretty sure our listeners are going to enjoy it. There's so many tangible tips that they could get as well as some deep stuff that they could dive deeper um, into their lives. So thank you so much, Sarah, for your time. I cannot wait to have you back on the podcast. Thank you so much, Julian, for having me. This is awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and found value to it. And you guys, to help support the show, please don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It would really, really mean the world to me. And make sure to also send a screenshot of your review to contact at byjwong.com because in exchange of your time, I would love to send you a copy of my recipe guide that is full of simple, most delicious plant-based recipes. With that being said, thank you so much again for being here and sending me all my love now.